welcome to Writer's Blockbusters, the show where we treat the final edit of the movie like the script. I'm one of your hosts, Bob Rose. I'm at Thundergrunt Bob on all the social media sites. And right now, Jimmy George is going to introduce himself. I am Jimmy George. I am a screenwriter and script consultant, and my Twitter handle is at Jimmy R. George. My other handles are not that. I don't remember all of them <laughs> off the top of my head. And now, Jamie Nash. I'm Jamie Nash. I am a screenwriter and the writer of the book Save the Cat Writes for TV and the Save the Cat uh, Beat Sheet Workbook. And I have a new webinar thingy out there if you're interested in 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 doing index cards and all that cool stuff when you outline your script. Check it out. It's on Save the Cat uh, as well. Um, and my Twitter handle is Jamie underscore Nash. And I'm J-A-M-I-E. People love to put the I before the M, but don't do that. You'd be wrong. Jimim. Jim Jimim. Um it was, so I today I think it's more like Jaime. I don't know. Jaime, yes. Jaime. I think I think a lot of women who spelled it or Jamie's uh spell it that way. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. 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 I, I mean I've gotten B O B B I E when I was a kid. Bobby. Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like Bobby Brown type of thing. <laughs> um yep. today we are gonna talk about a classic from nineteen ninety two, Penny Marshall's A League of Their Own. Yes. We uh I don't think we've done a Penny Marshall, have we? We have not. No, no, we've talked. And we about haven't things. done a baseball movie. We, yeah, we yeah, we've. That's incredible. Time. We haven't hit a baseball movie yes. all these years. All these years. All these years. It's uh, time. Before we get into our talking points, we're going to go around and say our you know short relationship with this movie. Let's start with the almighty Jamie Nash. Yeah, I I can't really say I have any kind of big story. Like usually, I love this part and I give you some in depth. I, you know, I, thought, I I saw it in the theater. I can't remember too much about that experience. I remember liking it probably more than I thought I would in some ways. Um, and that's and that's about it. And as years have passed, I think it's even a better and better movie because it is kind of a weird one in some ways. Yeah. It's like it's not completely just by the numbers kind of thing it 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 has its own you know it's kind of epic in a weird sort of way it's so. it, it's very mm-hmm. epic yeah mm-hmm. that was what struck me this time yeah uh, so really i, I don't oh. have much yep okay, no, okay. We'll, okay. We'll, we'll reverse expe- expectations here and i'll tell the long story <laughs> okay all right <laughs> i'll be the one with the long story yeah it, i agree jamie like what i was struck by because i haven't rewatched it in a long time And uh, it swings for the fences story-wise, right? It's trying to do a lot, and it does achieve a lot. And um, my history with this movie is that is less about the movie itself and more about me. Um, Besides my before my passion for screenwriting, I um, my whole life was baseball. Um, I played like eighty games a summer. I was on these in these travel leagues where, from the age of twelve to the age of 17 i was playing like 80 games a summer and i was playing fall ball and like i would train it's maryland so in between those times when you're training in the winter it's literally snowing out my dad would like hit a baseball into the air while it's snowing and there's like two inches of snow on the ground you can't see the ball anywhere like it's just white everywhere um and i had crazy asshole coaches like jim jimmy dugan 
um, scream at me. You know, like I, you know, my, my favorite taunt that I was ever given was I was like, 13 years old and I dropped the ball and and my coach was like my grandmother could have caught that ball and she's been dead for 20 years you know like so <laughs> so um baseball's really I have a huge passion for baseball um it it uh it, it's like a big part of who I am and um and uh, like it's my there's a shit ton of baseball movies and there's a ton of great baseball movies but this is my favorite one and i think it captures the game like i think it it's told by people who love the game the way the game footage is captured on the field it feels real like you're in the middle of the action in a way that i feel like other baseball movies don't do a good don't do as good of a job as uh, um and uh yeah so i love this movie and um i think there's even a ton of instructive screenwriting craft. We have a long list and I did a big ass book report for this that I'm going to try not to go overboard with. But with all that said, I still think there's like a ton of stuff we're not even going to cover that you can learn from this movie. So if you're someone out there who's never seen this movie, first of all, why are you listening to this? But second, like right. check it out, watch it. It's very instructive. It's a great movie. I feel like they don't make them like this anymore. Like that's the way I felt leaving last night. Like, man, they just don't, it's epic, like epic in a, in a, in a unique way, like with, not with things blowing up, but like with, with, you know, seven, eight characters with their own stories. And it's just, I think it's a fantastic movie. And um, I'm really glad that you guys were on board with doing this. Cause, cause I threw a bunch of baseball uh, movies out there for you guys and you guys both landed on this and it just happened to be my favorite one. You know, I was trying to stay, you know, baselined, but you guys picked my favorite one. So thank you for wanting to do this at all. Yeah. But there's my, there's my take. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's interesting. Cause um, my, so when I grew up, I played baseball and, and my dad, my dad was a huge sports guy. Like that's all he cared about. Um, and I played baseball up until I was 10, I think, or I'm sorry, 10th grade. I played up till I was in 10th grade. Um, and uh, a couple things that you said, uh, kind of make me laugh because i thought i thought back to my dad my dad loved movies and he he was the one that kind of got me into movies in some ways he didn't like any of the movies i like like he he didn't like sci-fi he didn't he liked action movies he liked you know and uh, thrillers and stuff like he didn't like horror movies but he also did not like sports movies because he just didn't okay. he kind of would he hated that they didn't really replicate sports in the way he saw it and stuff like that mm -hmm. um so generally None of no sports movies were his favorite movies, but one of my first favorite movies that he took me to was Bad News Bears. So that was the other one that I probably would have done. The original. I Bad think News we could do it sometime. Yeah. We could yeah. do it next April, yeah. opening There's, day, baby. Opening day. <laughs> and there are parts of this that almost look. They remind me of Bad News Bears. The, the mm -hmm. sports right, parts right. of it, the way it's shot, the way it's edited and stuff, reminds me of Bad News Bears in a lot of the ways. Like there's a little in Mighty Ducks too. Out. We did Absolutely. Mighty Ducks. For sure. For yeah. Sure. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, I, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I'll try to be different than Jimmy here. I mean, I played baseball when I was a kid, but it's not that personal connection for me. Um, for me, it's just, this is like a, I don't know, this is just like a staple of my childhood type of thing. Wow. Man, was it on cable or not? Like, yes, it was on over and cable over and over and over. <laughs> it's just, it was just something that I had watched probably in the 90s, like 50 times. I would say easily 50. Wow. I don't even feel like that's an overestimate. Um, you know, and, it, and I had no idea, Bob. That's great. 
<laughs> yeah, man, I've seen this movie. It's like so, so many times. But what I think rewatching it now, and I've seen it within a few years. Like it's not like I haven't seen it. You guys seem like you're revisiting it okay. way more deeply than yes. I am. But as an adult watching it again, I can realize, you know, there's a lot of stuff this movie kind of stuff that we don't talk about that this Mm -hmm. movie kind of taught me. You know, like I remember as a kid, the scene where they're introducing them having to wear uh, skirts like as a kid that taught me something that I had never even considered before, Mm -hmm. like that they were being sexualized and, Uh you know, and like that whole scene was actually very important and instructive to me about society. You know what I mean? Like. There's a lot of pieces of this movie, you know, and it's, you know, it's Penny Marshall's in charge of this movie and it's historical and everything. So there is it's a learning experience. Yes. That I didn't realize I was having when, yes. I, when I was a kid. And it's kind of crazy not to interrupt you, but um, it's kind of crazy how it's very relevant still with all the gender, it's, you know. No, it's still very relevant. I mean, obviously, I think it's, you know, for we're not obviously not going to cover this, but I think the TV show, which I have not watched. I haven't either. Yeah, the TV show updates a lot more of the history with like the fact that a lot of the women were queer and they, they talk about the struggle for, you know, the non-white players that wanted to get in the mm-hmm. game and everything. But, you know, it's, it, as far as a stepping stone, when I was a kid watching this movie a million times, like to me, it just felt like baseball was something for everybody. Yeah. Which is, you know what I mean? Like, like my favorite baseball movie when I was a kid was this one. Yeah, like mine too. Said. Right. And it's it's still it's the unconventional one. Right. Yes. It's it's the unconventional. Yes. So, yeah, I I have nothing more to say, really, than I've seen it so many times. (laughs) (laughs) Like I just have watched it ad nauseum. And, you know, it's a it's a movie where I think you you know, it's got a few of those like culturally relevant quotes that have never gone away. There's no Mm -hmm. crying in baseball. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just. I mean, that just feels like what would my life be without knowing that quote? I don't know. <laughs> so I love it. Have always loved it. So this is think, a love fest. <laughs> it's a love. I mean, yeah, it's just like a league of their own. It just feels like part of my existence. I can't That's explain awesome. it beyond that. Um, Jamie, who wrote this shit? Yeah, yeah. And, and this <laughs> this particular... This particular that was a movie, double, the, Jamie. <laughs> uh, these two, these two uh, writers loomed large in my childhood. It feels like same, was, same, same. Yeah, uh, Lowell Gantz and Babalu Mandel. Uh, their names would pop up, and they'd be these weird. You know, you'd notice them. Like even when I, you didn't pay attention to the screenwriters when uh, when those two showed up on a on a screenplay in a credit. You know, their names, I mean, maybe there's something to be said. Maybe we should all change our names to some kind of like Babalu <laughs> Mandel. Um, so, it, and, and by the way, this was this was based on a documentary, apparently, uh, which I've never seen. Has anybody seen it? it? I have not. I heard. haven't either. I've watched okay. YouTube videos about the real story, but that's not the documentary. I, I'm kind of curious about now after watching it this time, I'm kind of curious about the documentary because I bet you like tons of these small storylines were like little pieces of the documentary. You know, some I could just imagine like there were little things like like um, there were two sisters who played. Now, you know, they weren't mm-hmm. Dottie and, and Kit, but, you know, yeah. little things. I'm sure some of the stuff we talk about it like wearing the skirts and and the league was going to be canceled and and uh you know people's husbands being in the war and all this stuff 
um, was probably in the documentary and they probably just, you know, cherry picked a lot yeah. of the fun and games, which we'll talk about in a little while. And um, they said, Jamie, in that Rolling Stone article that we're going to reference a little that they because it was so recent in history when it was written, you know, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you know, we're 30 plus years from then. Um, but uh, most of the women were still alive. So they got to, they said, we did something we don't like to do, which is research. And they did extensive interviews with the players. And yeah. so they were yeah. able to take these stories and their experiences and like add tons of texture and reality to the situation I, to, your, to your point i love that part of the mm -hmm. article though it's a rolling stone article that jimmy's talking about i read it too i love that they were like when we wrote Sp splash we just like stayed in a room like <laughs> yeah. they're like we didn't even go out and do anything they just wrote it because they didn't need to know anything <laughs> about mermaids and then they're like for this we had to do all this damn work all this research <laughs> all damn this it research. right but right. jamie do you want to run down their resume because it's oh my god it's so listeners. good it's I, I love yeah, sure. so many of these movies it's ridiculous. sure in the documentary just to put a button on that kim wilson kelly candelay or something like that is their name but they were the uh documentary producers they get a story by credit on this awesome as well. um yes so let's let's hit the credits here and i you know, I don't really know their history as well as I should. I've, I've never really dug deep into their history, even though, you know, I'm into screenwriting history and they pop up all the time. But I'm guessing they got their start on um, on television in television. They worked on the Odd Couple, Happy Days early on. So that's the, the Penny, Penny Marshall, Marshall connection. Instant. Yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah, and Laverne yep. and Shirley. Yeah, Laverne and Shirley. And, so and, yeah, Laverne and Shirley. Though uh, oh, I don't. It's funny. I don't see that credit here. So um, I'm looking at Logan. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, and it's funny. I I just chose one. You know, I was like, oh, maybe. Yeah, they're pretty much all credited for both things for together both things. for the things yeah. together. Yeah. And and part of the history that I don't really know about, you know, them is like when they when they split you know, or when they got together and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So so anyway, uh, coming at that, the first one that pops on the, into my head because they have some things like uh some other television but the first one that pops into my head is night shift which definitely has some happy days shift. dna yeah. right mm -hmm. uh yeah they then from there oh I, they do have the new odd couple laverne and shirley Joni loves chachi all the happy days kind of stuff <laughs> um and then splash which was ron howard's movie you know mm -hmm. so still the dna is in there uh spies like us which is Hell all of yes. a sudden now they're now they're splintering off into snl territory you know uh they did they did amazing stories episodes, which I didn't even realize, but it doesn't wow. surprise me at all. Uh Gung Ho, which again now, I now the love Michael Gung Ho. Keaton, haven't yeah, seen the it. Michael Keaton DNA. Who do you remember who directed Gung Ho? I, uh, I Ron Howard. Like Ron, it was Ron, Ron Howard. Howard. That's there you go. another it. one. I didn't want to say it without uh without being clicking. Might on be it. my favorite so, Ron Howard movie, honestly. I, uh, I saw I, I got to see it. Strangely, it enough, might not age I mean, as well as it did in the eighties, but I love it so. <laughs> I'm say that. Strangely enough, I saw Night Shift in the theater as a ten-year-old. I guess you know that was my I first Michael really, Keaton movie. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. loving that. And Michael Keaton had a TV show, which I can't remember what it was called. And I, I was in love with them then. Like he was like, it's it's kind of like uh, Jason Bateman had that it's your move show if, that i loved as a kid and ever since i always loved jason bateman um he was they were these, two to me 
<laughs> yeah, there were, there were these TV shows nobody really ever heard of, you know. But I can't remember what Michael Keaton's was. It only lasted like a season, but he just kind of popped off the screen. Um, anyway, Gung Ho, uh, Parenthood. I'm kind of skipping here. I, they, they have yeah. some other you're, ones. You're skipping I'm, vibes. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, I skipped vibes. I love vibes. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> city city slickers uh parenthood oh, then a, a league of their own mr saturday night came a little bit yeah. after that um uh, city slickers too of course forget paris multiplicity uh and then i father's also love day. Greedy. they did yeah. greedy. i love greedy father's day robots, and they did forget paris pitch. too that's another unconventional structured one wow cool yeah. Yeah. uh fever pitch which another baseball movie uh, Tooth Fairy, Parenthood, and a League of Their Own television series based on. Um, wow. Mr. Saturday Night has a musical comedy uh, coming out. I didn't know that. Weird. I didn't know that. That's either. so um, interesting because in that Rolling Stone interview, they said the runner-up for Jimmy Dugan was Jim Belushi. So it's what? funny that that because uh, isn't Mr. Saturday Night Jim Belushi? Mm-hmm. So, so they uh, went. So, no, that's Billy Crystal. No, Mr. Oh, Saturday Night. It's, I'm, it's I'm the thinking Billy of the Crystal. other baseball movie with Jim Belushi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. And Mr. Saturday Night's a Billy Crystal biopic, essentially. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm completely ways. watching. Um, but that, it's that not really a biopic. But. That list of movies, though, is pretty formative for me. Yeah. You know? I, I, really I, I skipped over a ton of, like, you know, they're, they're probably not as hugely popular, but but pretty successful and popular movies. So it's not surprising figure, that we're going to learn a ton of craft from this script. It, it, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. this guy, uh, did you, what was that Seth Rogen? He, he randomly tweeted that he, he could learn everything he needs to know from these two guys on wow. Twitter. It was in that article you sent. It, like, yeah, that's right. literally yeah. asked him, like, did you know Seth Rogen tweeted this? And he <laughs> said, Logans and Babalu Mandel, I could learn any, everything from, I need to know from that. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I I mean on this there's some even some weird ones like I skipped like Ed TV. That's that's not one I associate with them. You know what I mean? Ron like, Howard I though. Ron, it's the Ron Howard Another connection. Ron Howard. Yeah. You know. Yep. Yeah. So it's not Ed TV's there you fault. Go. The Truman Show is a master. Yeah, it was okay? the silly not, the silly <laughs> Truman Show. Yeah. It's not its fault. <laughs> it's it's a fine movie. <laughs> so so box office wise. This finished number seven in 1992. So it was in okay. the top 10. Uh, I, I had the domestic numbers. This is domestic. It, it, by the way, it didn't finish that much higher internationally, I guess, because it was a baseball movie. Yeah. You know, so it's it, it finished at 107. I think uh, internationally, it was like 132 million. So for 92 uh, numbers, it's good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. To, to, to give you an example, I, and I don't know if this, this holds because these they do some weird stuff like Aladdin finished at eight, but came out in November. So maybe it made more money okay. as it went. Yeah. Um it at ninety-nine million. I, I just have to imagine Aladdin made more than yeah, I million. agree. Oh, wait, I do see total gross on the back end here. Yeah, Aladdin made two hundred and seventeen million. That sounds more like it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that that had staying power. Um basic instinct was right above it at one seventeen million. Uh, Wayne's World was right above that at 120. We've done uh, that movie. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Ba Batman <laughs> Returns and Lethal Weapon are at the top of the list, and one of Jimmy's favorite Sister Act is number three. Yes. It's on my list. Yep. We're gonna Sister do Act. it. Sister Act. <laughs> ah, that was number one. That, uh, Sister Act was number three. 
three. Number three. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Batman Returns Lethal Weapon 3 Sister Act were your top three in 1992. Man, 92 was another good year. And sin- man, oh. It's it's kind we of funny because that... when the Sister Act three comes out, and, you know, like, <laughs> we can wait. What we, can what wait we for keep that. saying, it's happening. So yeah, <laughs> Bat- Bat- Batman Returns. We is can a do funny a versus one. episode. We can do Sister Act one versus six. Sister Act. <laughs> I love Sister Act two. I do too. No shade. <laughs> Bat- Batman Returns is kind of funny because as as kind of loved as it is now, in some ways. I didn't really realize that was the number one movie of that year. You know, I didn't know either. It makes sense. I didn't realize that either. Yeah. It's it's beloved now. It's so beloved. It's kind of beloved in a like, oh, you forgot about Batman Returns, but it was the number one movie of 1992. So, well, there's been quite a bit of Batman since. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, Batman in general, as we talk about our tone scale often on the show, there's yeah. enough Batman to make a tone scale. So, yeah, just Batman, you know, movies. Ju- just Batman movies. So, <laughs> yep. Um, okay, so let's talk about catalysts and or inciting incidents. Yeah, so I brought that. I put this on the talking points because I've had a few client uh, clients, not clients. So used to saying that um, I've had a few listeners reach out and ask us to talk a little bit more about inciting incidents. And and we have touched upon it uh, plenty of times a little bit. But I feel like earlier in the show's history, we talked yes, about it more. Yes, think, we yeah. were hitting it from, you know, like from the start and then yeah. we sort of like went away from it. So uh, I figured Jamie Nash probably has a little bit more to say about it than than I would. But, you know. So, yeah, I, and the reason yeah. that I put it on there was because I feel like, Jamie, this is a very prototypical one, right? Easy to learn. Yeah, from. yeah. It's one of the first things, it's, and it's in all the books. And honestly, I think it, it's intuitive. Like, once you kind of – it might be the vocabulary that sometimes throws people with it. Like, you know, catalyst, inciting incident. Um, but generally, it, it, I, I feel like it's easiest to tell you by example. So it's mm-hmm. whatever – in, in Save the Cat terms, we say it's whatever, you know, your hero starts in their ordinary, boring life that they'd be stuck in. And what's the first thing that kind of comes to your main character and tips them off or pushes them toward the movie, the story, you know? So, so it might be uh, Peter Parker getting bit by a radioactive spider. It might be James Bond getting a mission. It might be Indiana Jones getting a mission. They come and they say, hey, the Nazis are looking for the Lost Ark. The visit by the FBI is the first thing that pushes him from school teaching to going to look for the Lost Ark. It's that first thing. And it's citing it's the catalyst. The visit for, from Gandalf, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, you're a wizard, Harry, is, is the <laughs> yeah. thing. Right, yeah, yeah, um, right. Yeah. So, so these are all so they're they're usually very easy to identify. I, I think I think if you think about it in those terms, like okay, your hero's living the ordinary life. What's that first thing that pushes them to the to the world of the story? You there are a couple things to think about though. It's something that happens to your hero. It's not like one day they wake up and they go, I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be a rock star or something like that. <laughs> usually it's something that happens to them. It's not the realization of what happened. Um Secondly, it needs to happen to your hero. So this is where people get in debates. Like they'll be like, well, in Jaws, the catalyst is obviously the opening scene when the shark kills the girl. And well, you could argue that and there's really no, 
you know, right or wrong in this thing. Really, it's when they find the body because that's when the sheriff. That's when his, his world is pushed forward. That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. And he's our and a lot of heroes. So he has to sense. react to that. That's the first time, right? Yeah. So, so you know, in League of Their Own, you could almost imagine like if there was a scene where let's start a women's baseball team, you know, and it was it was the rich people talking about that. But then it's it really isn't until your hero is visited. Hey, I, we want you for the baseball team. That would be the inciting incident, mm-hmm. not not kind of the 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 rumbling the thing that the thing that happened before the thing so it's whatever just remember it's the thing that happens to your hero that's generally how it's described um and the only other thing i'll say just instructively like save the cat you know one of the big things people quote when they kind of knock it is save the cat like says page 12 get to it by page 12 whatever you do get to it by page 12 and while while i don't necessarily if it's page 15 then it's fine if it's page 20, it might be okay. But honestly, we've all sat through movies, at least reading scripts. Like I've read scripts but when I consulted and stuff. Where I'll be flipping through the pages. I'll be like, I don't know what the story's about. Because until you get to the catalyst, you have no idea. Like it could be a different genre. It could be, it could be a sci-fi genre. And you're reading this drama. And you're just flipping through the pages. And you're not... You're like, when's the story going to start? It's just a person mm-hmm. eating breakfast and going to work and this and that. Mm-hmm. So if you if you save that catalyst, the page 20, 25, 30, it can be a really frustrating read. It can be very boring and very confusing. So that's why Blake Snyder said, page 12, do it by page 12. <laughs> now, again, if it's page 15, you're okay. If it's page 50, you're in trouble. If it's page 30, you're probably in trouble. And if it's page 20, you're probably in trouble. And if you don't have one, you're in big trouble. So anyway. Yeah. Unless you're making Rocky. Or, yeah, if, if this or is for your Rocky. cheeseburger. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, the... the um, Sorry, I had to say it. I couldn't. No, it's good. It's a good point. There's always exceptions, right? Um, it, Jamie, it's, you reminded me, one of my friends who's also a screenwriter calls what you described not getting to the catalyst the false start and i have read Mm -hmm. so many scripts that there's just this other story that happens before the actual story begins and it's not treated like a prologue it's just treated like necessary backstory and i think there's something to be said about the value of it's that why here why now why does the story have to imagine if we like hung out with Dottie and kit on the farm like and working at the dairy factory for like 20 minutes before we saw them play baseball and then and then eddie the talent scout comes to them on like page 30 like instead it happens on page 12 like and it's that's funny that you said with one line too yeah all you just said is handled with one jamie it's so funny that you said the save the cat page 12 because it happens at exactly 12 minutes (laughs) oh well yeah and 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 this one probably by by accident can i ask a question to you jamie that i should probably know when was save the cat published uh i'm not sure the exact date to be honest but i think it's like 2000 i probably have the book around i think it's like okay, 2004 so, or 2005 but remember jamie was working with blake before the book happened right. and he was playing around with all this stuff well that's what, no what i was trying to say is like the book is reactive to things that worked in the past right so, oh yeah yeah that's yeah, what i'm yeah, saying yeah. it's like the book is a reaction to why stuff like this <laughs> likely of their own works so well the cheeseburger the experience page 12 yeah. on their own 
that's not because of Save the Cat. Because you know, so many yeah, no, hate Save the Cat. In, in just, fact, chicken egg thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> in, in, in fact, I read Sid Field like when I was in high school because I, I was constantly like chasing movie information. And Sid Field's book, Screenplay, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, said page 15, The Inciting Incident. Oh He's my like, gosh, yeah. sacrilege. Yeah. So, so when, when, when Blake came around and said 12, I think oh, was, some shit. people were reacting. Yeah, some people were reacting. Whoa, Sid, Sid Field, you know, he said 15. <laughs> Those are fighting words. You know, I think I think there was a little bit of a, of a you know. In 2023, he was throwing it just, down. It should just be like they keep lessening it because everyone's attention spans like TikTok shorter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now just your inciting incidents like page two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Again, I got to, yeah, you know, I don't know this person. I've read this book, but I'm going to buy Kill the Cat, which is a book that's coming out. And I'm going to, it's going to say the catalyst is on page four. I don't know. Right. Kill the Cat. <laughs> Why Jamie Nash is wrong. go. Yeah, hey, I nailed it. Yeah, Save the Cat came out May twenty fifth, two thousand five. So okay. I, I had the year okay. right. I yeah. the, the weird the weird thing is I never remember because I remember what I was doing around that time in my life, and I remember when he wrote it and he he sent like the early draft. But I, you know, it gets all a little fuzzy. Was it two thousand three, two thousand four? You know, I can't. I can't. Remember I just brought it up because like people, I know people like hate Save the Cat. <laughs> We've talked about this like three episodes in right. a row. It's so and, funny. Well, well, you know what I mean? Like it's what I'm saying is like the, the book is a reaction to yeah. things that work. Yeah. So yeah. us saying League of Their Own, it has a 12 page, you know, the 12, on, on the 12 minute on mark. The 12 minute mark it does that. <laughs> it's because it worked. And that's one of the examples probably feeding yeah, the book exactly. written in 2005. Exactly. Right? For the for the traditional arc plot cheeseburger experience yes well here, here's the weird thing too blake was an active screenwriter in the 90s that's when his career was at its right, height right, right and when he was working so it wouldn't shock me if he knew these two writers you know what yeah, i mean he probably. was he was he was operating in kind of their world like similar like they were probably like his like i want to be them i want to be those two because they were very similar in style to what he was trying to do and that makes so. sense yeah, totally makes sense. But they yeah, might, so, they might even have said page twelve. You know what I mean? Like, they could have told know, him put page it in your 12. book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They might have been like, yeah, yeah. He, you know, he a lot they of said the page stuff thirteen, he got was and he was like, no, bring it down. Yeah, twelve. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna no. But I brought, but I brought up the catalyst on this uh, episode because I felt like this was a great, easy, yeah, like big scout comes to the to the farm and says. We want you to try out for for the team, and that changes everything. That's the spark that lights the flame for the movie. So yeah, it's a, it's a really easy to to learn from example. If you're out there confused at what an exciting incident, what a catalyst looks like, I feel like this movie is a really easy example of all those things that you just explained, Jamie. So thanks, Jamie and Jimmy told me to say this because uh, <laughs> I told them that I had watched a film, which I won't name. Uh, I had watched a film just two days ago that had no inciting incident. And at the 45 minute mark, I was losing my mind because there was <laughs> there. And, and like, you know, there's just it. You think these things are common mm -hmm. and common sense, but a lot of people just hearing these simple things. Sometimes you know, we talk, we've talked about it, but revisiting it is important because there's yeah. filmmakers that are finishing their movies. And then I, then I, I watch one and it has no inciting incident. <laughs> 
And I'm like, if this person just understood what an exciting incident was, you know, it's it's not as common as you might think. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I used to always say that the thing that helped me the most in screenwriting, and we were just talking about this, we were like saying some some advice you get is read screenplays of movies. I, I don't love that advice, but the one piece of advice I would give, I used to read my peers' screenplays or people trying to do things, bad screenplays, I'd say. I'm going to call them bad screenplays. And that taught me a ton because I would read, Let imagine if you're reading some amateurs version of league of their own and they do spend 50 pages on the farm and you have no idea what it's about and you're just flipping through and you're like why am i reading these two girls on a farm i got better things to do and you're flipping and flipping and flipping <laughs> and then page 60 they get to you two should play baseball and it's like what the mm-hmm. you know it's like yep. oh and then and then and the and then movie as doesn't I, start until then yes yeah and i can't tell you in my early career i read tons of scripts that were like that mm-hmm. that were just like they started on page 30 or 35 and when you don't know what it's about that's even harder and that's why when i consult i don't know if jimmy does this I always ask for a log line first because yep. I want to know what their intent is. Exactly. You know I mean? So, so, so that's, that, all, I that's what it's all about. So yeah. You know, you're not watching yeah. a dairy farm. No, movie. no. So the first <laughs> yeah, thing, I, the first thing I ask for, Jamie, is that because what it what 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 happens is, um, the writer knows exactly what they're trying to do, but the execution doesn't match yep. Yep. that intent, and so you, you, it's really awesome to to get aligned with a person's intent and be like, oh, this is what you want your movie to be. Well, then how we reverse engineer that is, like you said, that the that spark needs to happen like 30 pages right. sooner. Yeah, right. Because because right. then you go like, see this, read this sentence that you just wrote that describes the experience of your movie. That experience does not begin until page 60. We need it to begin as soon as possible, like 10 to like 10 pages 10 to 15 pages in so yeah that i always do that jamie always i I know that we're we're going to talk about this on another point but i wanted to say too like with jamie what you said like how you might not know what a movie if it's about the dairy farm for 40 pages you're like what is this about this movie actually i mean it does the favor to us too like it's it so wants us to get where we want to go is that the framing device tells us we will get back to baseball soon yes like we're gonna go away for a minute and then we're coming back to baseball like it literally Mm -hmm. promises you that like you're not even lost there yeah you know yeah we have a compass right from the start right right if any if anything this movie which is like a two hour plus movie uh, it's pretty long two Uh, hours and seven minutes yeah yeah it it doesn't stay in the ordinary world long at all because Mm -hmm. of that prologue you know it does a prologue that shuffles it i mean it's fine we'll talk about the prologue in a bit yeah but because the prologue it kind of steals time from the ordinary world so you really only get like two scenes in the ordinary world before you Mm -hmm. go get a catalyst where normally you'd get those four or five scenes that of all those things we talk about things that need fixing rooting resume all that stuff but this one actually is really short so yeah it's like six minutes really quick yeah Yeah. there's almost an inciting incident in the prologue yep there is yep. <laughs> you know yep. what I mean? yeah. yeah but uh, did you guys have anything else you wanted to say about catalyst no, i anything? think jamie thank you that was is that good. everything we needed we we and like yep. if you're interested go to our earlier episodes we we do cover yeah, that i definitely think I feel episode like... one get out has one back to the future definitely we talk about it yeah um, yeah probably jamie you probably used that indiana jones in raiders of the lost yep. ark episode you probably used that exact example yeah 
So, mm-hmm. so there's plenty of yeah, there's plenty of us covering it. If you're if yeah. you're good, willing to listen to our voices <laughs> a lot, um, <laughs> but and and so now let's talk about another thing we've addressed probably in a lot more in earlier episodes. Yeah, which, which we is, haven't talked about a lot. We haven't lately. Uh, f- lately. Fun and games, one of my yeah. favorites. Um, uh, is this a Jamie thing? Is this was yeah, me, yeah. but I, I I thought Jamie could we could set Jamie up for another knocking it down for a home run of screen. Yeah, and I'll just I'll just hit the recording of Jamie sauce. explaining fun and games. <laughs> <laughs> right. Again, I I always go back to I I'm starting to feel like I used to always make fun of I used to watch Ghost Hunters all the time, and they had to explain what an EVP was in every episode. Or every episode. Yes, just like dude, um, that's what I feel like. So. Electronic voice EVP? phenomenon. Yeah, right. Maybe what's yeah. an EVP? No, but yeah, electronic Bob voice phenomenon. Spirits. Yeah. yeah, and it was, and every time I was like, man, they're doing it different every time, and they have to do a stand. That, and I was like, <laughs> but so they um, have to do it. Fun. So if a person's watching it for the first time, they have to treat it like that, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, so fun and games uh, is another save the cat term. This uh, two save the cat terms, but it really just refers to the the first part of act two it's it's you know once you establish your storyline you uh in save the cat terms you break into two which means in my opinion the way i teach it is whatever your log line is and i've talked about uh, not to fold this all back on each other but i get the story dna you have a hero with the goal there's an obstacle in the way and there's stakes so whatever their journey is whatever their quest is that is usually what fun and games is. Sorry, I'm getting a text about fun and games right now. Um, so, uh, so, so whatever that quest is. So, in in this case, it's the base. You know, the team is together and the baseball begins, or whatever. Like that would be mm-hmm. the funny game section. Like, let's play ball. Let's go on the road. The women are a team. Let's start playing baseball. That's that's kind of the fun and game section. There's a couple things though to keep in mind. One. Fun and games isn't always fun, and it's not always games. This is literally games and fun. <laughs> right. Um, so if it's – you can imagine like a horror movie, like let's say the fun and game section was people being chased by a person with a chainsaw. That is not fun and games to the people being chased. <laughs> um, it's fun and games to us, the audience. It's like, oh, yeah. this is why we came to see the movie. Right. Know? I was going to say, you've um, always defined it, which I love, Jamie. You've always said it's why people paid the ticket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's why the trailer yeah. moment. It's, it's yeah, it's come see and what this is, right? The, yes. the other term given to this is the promise of the premise, meaning you know, you in a trailer you were promised this premise. Here it is. You know, it's it's John McClane is in the building trying to stop the terrorists. It's they're going to bust ghosts, right? Exactly. It's it's guys busting ghosts. It's yeah. Superman first becoming Superman, and you know, having lots of fun encounters and stuff like that um, saving people the, right That's, saving yeah. people saving people. now the one thing i'd say about this particular one that that might be instructive it's kind of a new it's not really from save the cat the original it, it kind of came later but one thing that people determined was that there's sort of a pattern that some funny games have like an upward trajectory um and i think this one's like that like it's mm-hmm. it's some have a negative trajectory some but this one has the upward this one has the true fun and games kind of category and there are certain movies a lot of 90s movies like you know wish fulfillment escapist kind of movies like 
I think of something. I don't know why I always quote this movie for it, but it always comes to mind. It's Bruce Almighty of all movies. Oh, it's you it's know, a good screenwriting. It's movie, a right? great, yeah, it's a great yeah. cheeseburger experience. Yes, and, yeah. and it is. It's like he's God. The funny games is an upward trajectory. I'm doing God things. I'm having fun. I'm gonna play with it, and it's an upward trajectory, and which usually leads to a victory. That's a false victory. There's another well, it's version. Interesting, of this. James. Yeah, yeah, keep going. Keep going. There, there's was... another. There's another version of this too. And by the way, it's hard to pin the midpoint of this one because there's a few things that happened mm-hmm. in the middle, and I'm not exactly sure. Like I was like, maybe that, maybe that. I don't. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't I really matter. Feel like there's almost like two fun and game sections in this there. Is yes, yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. You know? the, um, keep going, Jamie, and then I'll yeah, bounce yeah. off of you. So, yeah. so anyway, the other the other version, just super quick, is a downward trajectory. It's like somebody spiraling, and and they, they're trying to do something, and things get worse and worse and worse, and that leads to a false defeat is usually what it is. There's usually some kind of public defeat or something like that that happens. But it it opens a new door, inspires new hope. Sometimes it's about the love story or something like that. So anyway, they're the two types that people have noticed. And then I, I believe there's some that are mix and mash of both that can mm-hmm. go either way. A lot of mine are like a mis- mix and mash of both. Yeah, you have a talking point later on this on on just writing sports stuff that we'll get into, and I'll save I'll save most of what I was going to respond for that section because right. I think it speaks to what you just described. But when I'm brainstorming these these moments, and we'll get into that in a minute too, um, these fun and games, I actually label that second half of Act Two, the bad guys close in section as fun and games part two that's how i approach the bad guys close in and that's taking a negative trajectory of the same idea it's like things are not and and it depends on the story like in this one it's it's up and down like you said it's a mix um but uh i think that's a good way to kind of approach the second half of act two when you're trying to brainstorm like how can i keep this as interesting as it was when when the when the first set of fun and games i had plenty of you know ideas how can i keep those ideas flowing well it's like that section where things are getting harder also has its own version of fun and games that you could brainstorm Mm -hmm. so yeah i i I teach it the same way so i teach the bad guys close in as it's the same thing as the fun and games it's it's the promise of the premise it's a person with a goal and obstacles and stuff like that but somehow the midpoint has turned up the tension dials. You know, they it's gone from three to seven or something or three to six. That's great. Um, I love that. Yeah. That, that's the way I always view it. Yeah. And I'm it's always Luke like, and Han in the, in the trash compactor and Chewie and Leia in the trash compactor, you know, like that's with, still fun in games. With the one in the second half. Would the turn, yeah. turn up for League of Their Own be when they need to add, when they need to start like showing off? Yep. Because yeah. there, yep. nobody's buying the league this. Is at, the league is at stake. Yes. The league is, yeah, right, so, right. So this one has a really classic kind of, um, so uh, the midpoints are often, it, there's there there's one place to look for a midpoint that happens all the time. Jimmy and I off, off to the side, we're talking about Sister Act earlier to, uh, this week. Um, and it has this too. But if if you have something where because they went public, there's a problem. A lot of times that's a midpoint. Now that's where I say this one's debatable. Like, was it before they went public or was it after, but it was kind of like, there's something about the fact that they have to go public so heavy. Like it becomes all about publicity and 
becoming names and you know and all that stuff and and work well if you're looking um, at just at a at a at a you know by the numbers it is at mm-hmm. 62 minutes that harvey says you know the league is done and uh and lowenstein is like like you don't understand how hard these girls work and like it's it's at 62 minutes when lowenstein goes in the dugout and tells the tells the team that they're in trouble and then the, that that new montage that I'm going to use as the montage example starts where like you know the splits and then this and then that where they right. have to go at, go the extra mile yeah so to your point mm-hmm. Jamie it makes sense makes sense that's like and, right and at I, the midpoint of the and, and actual runtime that that sounds almost like a false defeat in some ways because mm-hmm. it's like yeah yeah it's like we're in trouble but that's what gives them the spark to take it to the next level in yep. some ways so that that almost sounds like a false defeat. Yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. I feel like that that was a great way to explain the concept of fun and games, right? Yeah. 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 Thank you, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> end recording. Uh yeah, we're yeah, done. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing that always comes up in fun and games too that we should talk about because this has it. Like a lot of times students, and I'm sure I've said this a gazillion times because it happens so often. Like when I'm teaching Save the Cat, they've never written a screenplay before. They, they do the outline, they write the funny games in. And then when they write the script, they write like one montage. And then they write the midpoint. And they think the montage is the funny games. And I'm like, wait, the montage is like, you know, 30 pages of a 100-page script. It's, it's the biggest section of your entire script. <laughs> and somehow they want to skip over it with a montage. Mm-hmm. And it's... One page montage. It, if, if you are in that category, I... I almost find it mind-boggling because the the way your fun and games should be what everything's about in some ways. It should be like it should be the thing that you want to write. It should almost be the section that's too long. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, have, you to have to edit it. You have um, to edit down how many fun and games we see. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're the type of writer who's writing ten pages and being like, I'm really stuck on the fun and games, I have to say you boggle my mind because. Um, <laughs> That is the section you should be like, you should write in your sleep. Like it should be. And if not, it either means you're not digging deep enough with your whiteboard and you're not, you're not milking your premise for all the little bits. You know what I mean? Um, or, or maybe your premise isn't that great. That, it could be one of two mm-hmm. things, but, but usually it's just it's like you're an ma- not existential problem almost mm-hmm. yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah. It's, it's a, why are you telling thing. the story? Yeah. Yeah. And it's sometimes it's sometimes it's like writers kind of get bored of their story before they write it. So they're like, and nobody cares about this baseball stuff. And, and I'll they just start write some montage. other story. Yeah. And they yep. start something else. It's the false premise. Yeah. Yeah. So, so just be cautious. Okay, if you're bringing out all the good stuff, Jamie. <laughs> yeah. No, but funny, funny games is something you should just be like, Oh, I've, I have a hundred ideas. How am I going to fit them all in this little section? You know, this 30 pages, how do I fit them all in 30 pages? And and the answer usually is you're going to start moving some of the bad guys and you know, you're going to, yeah, you're gonna so, some of them are going to have to go. Yeah. Yeah. But it, this should be the one place where your, your 30 page, your 30 page sack should be stuffed with 60 pages or a hundred pages or something like you that. Have to pick and choose and pick and choose. Yep. Yep. It's good. Uh, well, you kind of gave us a great segue there, Jamie, because mm-hmm. you talked about the whiteboard. 
<laughs> that's why I put this there because I felt like these all they kind go of go into each other, right? Yeah, to what we're going to talk about next after this. But you know, this is like the show has become a monument to this idea, which is you know the whiteboard and mm-hmm. you know idea generation and and what we've come to realize is like all the great movies, what they do best is they deliver heavily on the promise of the premise. So to Jamie's point, if you're having problems figuring out what that means and how to do it, there's a there's a there's a process to it and and hopefully this can help you. I have an equation that uh I've talked about on many episodes before the Ghostbusters Afterlife comes immediately to mind, the Batman episode um, I'm gonna use I'm gonna use some examples from both of those, but uh, I call it the ordinary to extraordinary ex- ep- exercise. It is Spielberg, everything that you, you can think of in a Spielberg movie, all the great moments. You know, it's the rippled wa- the water glass rippling. You know, an ordinary glass of water is imbued with such meaning that is so specific to the movie that you're watching that every time you see a rippling glass of water ever again you think of jurassic park right, right. Um, you think of like holy shit a dinosaur might be my water is rippling in my house is there a dinosaur near you know like it that's the idea of taking something ordinary and making it, it extraordinary using this concept of premise paint jamie do you want to explain premise paint and then i'll bounce off of it yeah, sure. So premise paint is uh, it's kind of this metaphorical idea that you can you can take something that other movies might have, maybe even tropes, maybe even or, or things that maybe people would expect in the plot, but because you have a unique premise, like in this case, women playing baseball is different than than just baseball, right? So mm-hmm. you can imagine all the scenes in a baseball game. Or, or I'm sorry, in a baseball film. But then what if we sprinkled the, the, the women? Like, how does that make it different? How can we paint the scene with women, you know, women playing baseball, um, this unique league that happened? Uh, how does that change some of these tropes? How does it change? When I say tropes, I almost mean genre expectations. Genre expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all yeah. three, right? Um, it's something ordinary in general, a genre expectation, or just a trope in movies that we've grown to expect and know and are familiar with. Yeah. At this point, it's right. cliche, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, and it, to your point, that, Jamie, yeah. the, 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 like, the idea of premise paint is like a little, like you said, it's a little bit metaphorical. And maybe someday we'll go into like a better, bigger, way to conceptualize that but like for the purposes of this exercise i try to get clients to identify what is their core what if question that the movie is that's your premise paint so i for this one i said the core what if question is what if world war ii depleted the major league baseball um league and uh so a women's league is created and the women athletes have to win over the skeptical male dominated society that's the what if right, so right. that's your paint like asking that question what does that question look like on top of all the standard baseball scenes that we are used to seeing all the all the just war related scenes you know a war related and just anything you can think of that we would associate normally 
with what's happening to these characters, how can you paint it with that what if scenario and make it unique to with something that we could only experience in this movie? So I'll give you a couple of more examples of like the concept itself from other movies. So you, you take something ordinary, whether that's a trope, whether that's just something in life itself, and you put the premise paint on top of it, you get something fresh. That's that's it's as simple as that. So, for instance, the mashed potato mountain in Close Encounters of the Third Sky, right? Like, it's an ordinary dinner scene plus the premise: a guy losing his mind because he's you know he's having psychic visions from aliens, and he forms the alien mashed potato mountain. That is a pile of mashed potatoes that expresses the premise that we could only see in that movie right um the uh, an ordinary a cliche piece of dialogue uh combined with the batman paint we get the we get the penguin saying what is this good cop batshit cop that's how you take an ordinary cliche mind you paint it with the premise and you get something that we could only experience in this movie um in ghostbusters afterlife the target practice cliche right the target practice trope what does that look like with a proton pack <laughs> you get a proton pack obliterating like not just the bottles and cans but like the fence that that they put it on and then all of a sudden we're watching target practice that we could only experience in that movie. And I think that this movie has so many great examples of Jamie, what you were talking about, like, you know, Oh, this is a baseball movie we've seen, but now with that unique concept of women during world war two, where the society is against them and doesn't respect them. What does that look like? Right. So, right. yeah, I figured, I figured between the three of us, we could riff on like examples of that. I do have. What does some. it look like to slide into a home base with a skirt on? Oh God, yes. Right. I mean, that's you can only see that in this movie. I only right? see that in this movie, right? And yep. and and the crowd is cheering them on to do so. Yeah. yeah. The first one that comes them. to mind. The first one that comes to mind for me is there's no crying in baseball. Um, yes. Yep. That's you know that's definitely one because it's like that's the how would a woman one. react. To the jerky coach screaming to the at toxic the masculinity misogynistic right. man yeah and then and then how they kind of cheer him like getting booted from the game and you know yeah like and, and the women know. in the yeah the team cheers yeah. on the coach yeah. getting kicked out that's something right. that's so perfect to this yes yeah. <laughs> um the one that comes to mind immediately is the dueling signs right we've seen uh, uh, a coach giving signs to a player comedically even in movies but in this premise you're dealing with there's a man in the dugout who doesn't respect the women and their efforts and their talent and their abilities and then he's you know forced to like be wrangled into the into the situation because they're proving him wrong that they don't need him you know so it expresses the premise so perfectly but it's also hilarious um the one one of my favorite ones is the 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 wedding scene even though it's just in the montage and it's only like 30 seconds long right like what does a wedding look like with this premise they're holding baseball bats like for a tunnel for them to walk and on the back of the just marriage instead of saying like i'll see you when i get back from my honeymoon marla says i'll see you next season you know and like on the back of the car with this premise paint instead of the just married being a bunch of cans, it's baseballs, cleats, b you know, baseball gloves. That's the type of thing I'm saying. Like when I read scripts, this is what's missing. This is like, this is why I'm so passionate about this because I will read scripts where the craft level is so strong, 
Like someone is on their like fifth or sixth screenplay. They do everything right. Like it's like their character work is strong. Their dialogue is snappy. Their conflict, everything is laden with conflict and tension. Everything is working except I'm reading one scene after another that I could see in another movie in other that movies. I could experience in another. I'm reading a dinner table scene that like I could get in any old drama with a generic premise. I'm reading a, despite all the dialogue being good and all this craft, they don't understand that mo- this is what we go to the movies to see. We go to the movies for this, the promise of the premise, delivering on the promise and understanding that that's a huge part of your job as a screenwriter is really important because it's, it's really what, what we, what we want as a, as an audience, you know? So Uh, I'll throw out one that I think is unconventional. Uh, It's, it's when the bus driver quits because of of, (laughs) the kid kid holding that the bus driver quits. And because this movie in the uniqueness of this movie is that, I always find it funny that none of the women volunteer to drive. Yeah. It ends up being the alcoholic who just woke up. who ends up driving the bus because he's a man. And you know what? It's, it's expected yeah, he, that a they man might, drive they the bus. They might not know how to drive, dude. And that's and also true. The, too. And it's the 1940s. And yeah, you know, it's got, it's everything that can be just found in this movie with the construction of it. Right? Yeah. I remember learning that my grandmother was like, when she was a teenager, it was like unique to her community that she could drive that was like a big fucking deal like right, that she could right. drive because she had a poor family and she had to work so she had to drive to work and this was like you know around that movie, time you can only see the construction of making an alcoholic man be the only option to drive a bus <laughs> right. filled with people it's so like, unique and specific you know? yeah and it's a yeah. kid because the 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 they, you know they're ripped from their homes to do this job and right. yeah but um jamie you were gonna say something yeah sorry jamie uh well to piggyback on that one um just Stillwell in general is is kind of yeah yes you know, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't see in any other movie in any um, other baseball movie <laughs> right right what yeah what i was going to say it goes back to what you were saying jimmy is when i see the weird thing is when i see um premise delivery and this i could be all wrong i'm not a producer i'm not an agent but that usually is what tips me off to this person's pretty good the most it's the thing that impresses me the most because i feel like just to get in just to get past the rope you have to figure out your structure you have to figure out your storyline you have to that just gets you past that gets you in the door and then when i see somebody come up with premise delivery it's like this is somebody who has ideas this is somebody that's connecting the dots this is somebody that's turning something uh, an idea into something commercial like on one hand, there's the 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 basics, the craft stuff we talk a lot about. Of that's that's the bare minimum you have to do, and then connecting the dots and coming up with all this cool stuff and and you know painting your scenes. To me, that's the thing I'm always impressed. At. Like whenever I read a script like that that has the craft and does that, that's when I'm like, oh, this person, this person, you have to watch them. You know, this person might be the one it's kind of, it's kind of like somebody that writes a script. That's really funny. It's the same kind of idea. Right. It's like, Oh wow. This person really knows comedy, um, Mm -hmm. which is rare. It doesn't happen a ton of times, but I, I think stands out because of that talent. Yeah. That ability to do that. And I think the premise paint one is more controllable. Like I think it's more comedy can be a little subjective and stuff like that, but, um, I, I think you can control your 
you know, just painting your scenes with premise from yep. end to end. I, Jamie, I'm on, um, I'm on, cause I'm a numbers guy. You know me, I'm, I know all this shit. Exactly. I am on script number 389 of my, it's, I've been, uh, consulting on scripts for, uh, since, since 2016 and I am on script cons- consultation number 389. And my number one note now, it didn't start this way at all. It has evolved into this because I've just, it's the common denominator of what's, what's missing. My number one note is this is great, but it's not premise specific enough. It's not expressing that premise specifically enough to where I could only read it in your script and no other script that comes across my desk. So not premise specific enough is the, is my number one note. I probably write it, you know, at least 20 times per consultation. Like this is a great line, but could you paint it with the premise a little more, you know, things like that. You know, what's a cousin of that, that I've seen lately. And I honestly see this more often than I see the really good premise pop is um, authenticity. Like, mm-hmm. like people that let's say they were a spy or something like that. And they're writing something at a level that, you know, it's the real stuff. You're just like, whoa, this person lived this world. And it's just like oozing from the page, like authenticity and premise stuff kind of go hand in hand to a certain that's extent. A good, that's a good point. This yeah. feels very authentic because they did their research. <laughs> yep. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, the, I, there was the last one that nobody said, but that's a great example too. The War Department letter is fucking yes. Uh, that again, best, we have seen that scene many times. Not like in this. war stories. Yeah, but or, you know, yeah, or just losing a player because they got married, or losing a player, right? Yes, like yes. But mm-hmm. you combine it with all the unique factors of this premise, and all of a sudden, it becomes like if you show just that this is like distilling all this down to like a single uh point in my opinion if you can show one scene from your script to someone and not explain anything else they can get a really good idea of what your movie is just from one scene this is a great example of that right if you don't tell people what the concept is and you just have him come in and say the prayer and do all the things about the game they're about and then the end of the scene comes and they're and they get a note from the army like you understand what the movie is about so simply because it so perfectly captures the whole story in one scene so yeah women playing baseball 1940s world war ii all while their husbands are at war or hus- yep. yeah all covered in that one scene yep yep uh Let's talk about montages. Jamie, you talked, you brought the sports uh, scenes up. I, I, I'm interested to hear yeah. what you what you think because we haven't done this before. Yeah, and and honestly, I this is one that I'm kind of um, grasping for a little bit. Okay, but okay. okay. I, so I I recently wrote a sports script, and man, were the sports scenes hard to write? <laughs> like it's, okay. Somebody as somebody that's written 120. Uh, not that many I, I think i was up to 105 last time i i checked i've written 105 scripts and i maybe i've written two sports scripts but I, I i recently wrote one that had stuff like this like it had whole games it had announcers and scoreboards you know all that stuff and it was really hard to make that read well um it, it was really really a bear it was it was tough um so I just wanted to kind of 
to give you some of the experiences I had, because I recognized him in this movie. I was like, oh, I, I did that trick. I did this trick. Um, number one is most of the games are montaged away. You yada yada over pieces of the game <laughs> because there's no time. So step number one, know you got to yada yada and what you got to yada yada over. Um, in this game, so I'm just going to pick out the World Series game because that's really that's this this yeah. movie doesn't, really give you a lot of individual games it kind of jumps so fast mm -hmm. it's like yeah. it moves so fast here's one trick that you might notice in the world series game and the funny thing about this movie we really don't care who wins like when they lose you're not even it's that about sad. the you're league like, oh, winning yeah it's about the league yeah winning. it's about them staying relevant right it's so, about the yeah. league winning respect yep so weirdly yep. enough it's kind of a party all around like yeah and, it is <laughs> yeah and the whole movie is scored like a lot of energy yeah. the whole game is scored like that so you figure a lot of it was found in editing you know they just mm -hmm. shot a bunch of stuff the personal story is where the team is almost the sisters mm -hmm. right like the that's, sisters that's more it. yeah yeah more what the yeah. audience is cheering for back mm -hmm. and forth yeah so so uh I mean, here are the tricks. It's this isn't that in depth, and I can tell you, I I, I tried this too. So the tricks are one: you got to yada yada most of the game away. So most of the back and forth, you just show a few highlights. You know, you just show some a home run, a right. Now they didn't even get, they didn't even score until we kind of slow it down. It was like right. toward the end of the game they score, and the hero. So then you slow it down all of a sudden. You're yada yadaing. You're doing fast little bits. You're you're jumping around from from the crowd to the you know and the one thing you have an advantage of is the announcers can say you know say things like yeah it's a tight, that helps it's a tight one we're in, it's a little bit like voiceover right yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. works it's we're, it's organic yeah it's like we're already in the sixth inning and we got a tight one here <laughs> zero zero and and the dotty the the big, you know, the home run hitter is about to come up the bat, you know, so they can. You can also have them say when they won in a montage. Yeah. And stuff. Like, yeah. So you, like, they you win know. again. They yeah, tie right. the series. You don't have to yes. show the win as much as yeah, them saying yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, so the announcers play a key part if you can have that in your story. And you'll find most sports movies have that because we're used to that. It's, it's like a trope of sports movies. And of course, uh, for years, they've tried to turn that into a comedy device. They kind of like every single thing from Mighty Ducks to Major League dodgeball. To dodgeball. They turned the those people into best in show for that matter. Best yeah, in show, best right. in they, show they, is a they, great they, example. Yes, great example. <laughs> you know, they, they they spin. They don't just say the thing. What a saying. beautiful bitch. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So they they so you can use that. That's that's one part of it. Um, montage writing that. Then you slow it up for key moments. But even in those key moments, notice we're not getting in, in League of Their Own. We don't get really like a real baseball scene, which could no. go on for five minutes, one batter. It's like, wow, strike one. Wow, strike two. Yeah, Bam, it goes it's so hit. fast. Yes. They're, they're moving so fast through that stuff. Nobody has time to wait or anything. I imagine in a different movie, it might slow it down even more yep. to get the drama of it. Let's also remember, remember there was a four hour cut. So yeah, yeah. could have been in there, Jamie. We don't know. <laughs> and, and remember Rocky, when we talked about that, the, the yeah, final right. fight, I couldn't believe how fast it was just like, and we're in the yeah, 15th round. You know, and it was just bop, bop, bop. And it was, you know, and then we were in the 15th round. I just found round. a whole episode of Jamie making those noises. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I, 
I, I think I've been listening to David Spade's podcast and uh, Dana Carvey too much because <laughs> David's always like, beep, beep, beep. Um, yeah, so he's just doing noises. We, yeah, he just does noises all the time. So we get to that. We get to that whole. Um, we get to that whole thing, and then it slows down for like Dottie's hit and Kit's hit, and that's mm, pretty much moments. that's pretty much the bulk. And they they do check a couple of character arc boxes. Like there's, it's funny that we didn't talk about this. But the one thing this movie does is it it lays out like all the characters and gives them all little character arcs. Yeah. To, to yep. like, so, so Tom Hanks has that moment where um, she walks the cutoff. You know, you miss yeah. the cutoff. Instead of yeah. uh, there's no crying in baseball and yelling and all that, he kind of reels it in and is nice and says, "Working it for next season." Um, so it it's checking little character boxes off while it's doing, and it's also setting up. Uh, Kit's big ending, mm-hmm. like, like that's what it's doing. It's taking time to slow down. Otherwise, it's just blasting through everything, and then yeah. they get to the end and they win. Um, what I found in doing this, and I honestly, when I watched this movie, I was like, maybe I'm I did too much because I did I I couldn't tell it as fast as they did here. I just couldn't. I, I couldn't, and I, I doubt if the script they had told it that way. Either. Looks like that, yeah. Like Bob yeah. said, there was a four hour cut. Yeah, they yeah. probably they cut it down. I, yeah, yeah. I I I just don't know what it would look like on the page if I was just like you know, and and then there's yeah. a strike, and then two seconds later there's another strike, and then two you know. Yeah, it would um, read not natural at all. Yeah. But one one trick I learned, and I'm not sure if this is the right answer or not, but it's the it's the trick I learned because there's many different ways you can write. I read like the tin cup script. I read a recent tennis script that was written. I read a whole bunch of different scripts. And one trick I learned is tin cup didn't do this. Like tin cup actually spelled out exactly what was on the, it was almost felt like a shooting draft. Wow. But okay. I, I found in some spec scripts, what they do is instead they kind of do what you're not supposed to do in screenwriting. They say like, and the game progresses and it's a wild one and there's home they runs. Summarize. It does. They summarize and let wow. the, let the department handle it. I, I've never done this before, but I chose that route. I looked at all the different routes and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that route That's interesting. And it, for, for the yada yada parts. The yada you know? yadas. Yeah. yeah. And you can figure out what the montage is later. Um, yeah. Because I'm not going to explain how every play progresses. Like he hits one to the outfield and then he drops. Instead, I'm just going to say, you know, it progresses and there's a couple scores and we don't, you know, it's tied at the thing. Do, do you just like, write in like the important story moments there? Like, you know, like in this case, you'd have to write like Dottie does something amazing and Kit looks at her with jealousy or, you know what I mean? Like it's still in there in the construction of the montage. You have question. to add, you have to write those in, right? Like yeah, you I'm asking because yes. I don't know. I, I, you do. So, so I'm summarizing, I summarized the yada yada parts, which okay. are those parts. And I might throw in the, I, it's kind of a way to write a montage without writing the specific thing. Something I actually normally would knock my students for. I'd be like, no, I need to know the exact You need the A, B, C, D, E. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, but for whatever reason. Not just one sentence that's describing two minutes of screen time. Which that's I read right. All the time. And, and this is, and I, I would never like advocate this normally, but writing this sports script, looking at all the scripts out there, I was like, you know what? The one I can make the most fun to read is that one. And I chose it wow. because I read like all that. these different scripts. Um, it, 
and it might just be right for the script I was writing, but I'm not the only person who's ever done that in a script, you know, professional screenwriters that have ever done that. <laughs> I could say there is a precedent for it. And I chose that. That was the one I chose. But like you say, so I would skip over those parts, but then I might say, and in the dugout, you know, I might say dugout, you know, I might have a scene <laughs> heading uh, and it might say, you know, get slams her glove down and, you know, uh, sits on the bench and sulks in the corner or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'd point out, I, I, I go in and out of that mode a little bit. So it'd be like, and, yada, and, yada, important moment, yada, yada. Exactly. Emotional that, connection. Okay. Yeah. And, okay. and then on top of that, on top of the yada, yadas, I had my announcers making little jokes and stuff like that. And then filling in the, the gaps. And yeah. So, so there are a lot of different techniques. I'm not sure that the one I used is the most instructive, but, it's out there. And honestly, when I surveyed them all, it was the right one for me, depending on the sport you're doing, depending on how much of the sport, that was the other thing. Mine had a lot of the sport in it. You know, it had many scenes of many games. Um, and I knew they were going to have to be kind of montaged away. Uh, so, so that's part of the reason I chose, I chose the one I did, but yours might, yours, yours might be different, but the the one thing I'll, and, th and then one other thing I'm going to, fold into this another talking point we had i noticed that most final most final games and sports scenes they kind of have a version of the secret weapon right mm -hmm. um right they all have some payoff so there's a thing we talk about called the secret weapon uh and the examples we use there's some mundane thing or something that's set up early in a in a story and in the end that's the thing that wins the day it's, it brings down mm -hmm. the bad guy. Um, we talk about the alien lo loader and aliens. Uh, the loader is the thing that she battles with. We talk about crossing the streams. Um, there are a lot of these different ones. But if you look at sports movies, um, it could be the crane technique. The crane. It could be yep. um, the, the flying V. Flying um, v. The Pachanko and the cutting edge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, now, the one thing that's weird about this movie is it it almost reverses expectations of the it's almost not it's unconventional it's, yeah it is it's yeah. very unconventional because it's like you know throw her the high ones that should be the seeker weapon but then she hits then the high win. ones right yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and uh, honestly this work. is another matter but but with kit i'm not even sure what i think about her character and stuff like that <laughs> like she's kind of She's kind of, uh, I don't know. I, I have my own opinions about that character and stuff gotcha. and how she wins. But I don't think that's important. That's the weird thing about this. Nobody really cares who wins. Or, it's like, oh, well, we lost the World Series. Good job. I think, you know, it's oh, I think that's important. But I think it's unconventional yeah. in that the secret weapon of Kit winning, I, the way I, I always read it is, is the, the um, uh, it's ambiguous what Dottie did in the end there. That's so interesting because she, this time I, I watched it for that ambiguity, but I think it's pretty. And it's when they show her hit the ground, like the 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 pain that's on her yeah. face. They do the show way that, it's captured. I, it looks even, like she drops that ball. When I was a kid, hurt. and now I, I still I still I find it. I still find some ambiguity. In it's it. funny when I was younger, I absorbed that in my head. It was ambiguous, but I watched it for that this time, and I was like, dude, she's in pain. Like the way they captured that. The, the she the does aesthetics. seem pissed too in the in the train in the yeah like it doesn't she feel does. ambiguous to me now I still as it feel did when I was young I isn't that weird like, that both of us when we were young or we're like, 
Well, when I was young, I just thought Dottie. I thought Dottie threw it. Like letter I was in. straight up. I so thought that interesting. Was That's how I did too. Dottie threw it. Yeah. I I for, almost for her think, sister. You know. I I almost think that's the more cathartic, meaningful version of the movie. But I don't buy that she would do it. I don't see anything in her character that says. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You think she I'm would just, just straight up go for I, it? I think it'd be letting her her teammates down and stuff like that. Yeah, I yeah, just, yeah, I, yeah. I think it would be a wrong. I think it would yes. sort of be an Plus immoral takes, move. It takes Kit's um, growth away from her. Yeah. Yeah. I. I think yeah. it would be unethical, and I, I just think it would be wrong. Uh, so I, I don't really I think, think that's what makes it, it interesting. <laughs> the fact that we can still argue about that it. it's not one hundred percent crystal clear. Yeah. yeah, I I tend to yeah. agree that it would be more interesting, and it would. It also could it could like, be not front brain of her, like you know what I mean? Like she dropped it, but it wasn't like on the front of her mind to do that. But you know what I mean? You do some yeah. things you don't understand why. Like she, yeah, that's true. Like, she did it for her sister, it, but it was like subconscious, you know. It's it's a weird thing because movie logic says if you don't learn the lesson, you should lose. She right, doesn't right. learn the lesson and she wins. And it's yeah, it's it's a little weird for me that spot. But anyway, I still it's the secret weapon. It kind of pays off. It it doesn't pay off in this case in the way, but it pays off in the in the final moment. It pays off for Kit. Yeah, um, I think it pays it, off emotionally. With yeah Dottie for the it. sister's journey like, yeah like when Dottie goes yeah. up and says this is how you beat her there's something emotional about that punch like yeah yeah it, it, it's there even yeah. though it might not work yeah yeah right i think it works yeah well i mean she hits it yeah that's what i meant oh oh it. yeah 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 i got she hits it. it i'm just saying it works it works emotionally but the it's actual funny. secret weapon doesn't work yeah. maybe maybe you'll maybe you'll disagree with something i'm going to talk about later with the so, old way new way then based on this here, conversation yeah here, here's here's the weird thing about it like in my opinion and it, this is the problem with lay off the high ones it's not very cinematic to lay off the high ones it would they'd have to do like they'd have to force it to a you know two three count or something like that it would be kind of boring you know, and they Jamie, Jamie so would you fast. prefer like they named a pitch or something like throw her the stinker? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> the knuckleball, the knuckle, yeah. knuckle puck, right? Yeah, well, like, yeah. You, you know, you know what would work better? Swing at the high ones would actually work better, and she doesn't do it because here's here's my this, this is me rewriting the movie. If, <laughs> if, if rewrite Kit, this classic, <laughs> if Kit finally realized that she didn't have to live her life not doing what her sister told her, and she won because of that. Like she realized that, hey, maybe my sister does have some good ideas and I don't have to be just pissy about it and not do it. And I win. I That to me is a better character arc than I'm just going to do it my way. Screw her. And I won. I, I There's something Interesting. weird. I read it really hard it, at the end, right? I, like, I read it as in the past, she was in her own head and get letting herself her self-doubt get the best of her and by this point in the story she had enough self-respect and confidence that she could hit the the I, ball that didn't get past her it's funny well i mean i will say i will say this as a baseball player my my greatest enemy was me and right. when i was up there self-conscious so for me, this was very true to playing the game um, as a player who couldn't hit the curveball. I would go up there and I'd be like, I can't lay off the curveball, but I can't hit it either. Right. And then it was like until I learned to just believe that I could hit the curveball. I that's when I finally started to be able to hit it when I just was like got over myself 
if, and just if hit it. I, well, know? I would buy into first. that more okay. if Gina Davis was like, believe you can hit the high. Yeah, level. that's true. Yeah, You're right. You. Well, it you would know, be more measurable. Like, You're saying that's, like, me- that's not measurable. Yeah, I mean, I don't really see what you just said. Like, I I believe everything what you just said, but I believe she's in her head like, I'm going to swing at that high one no matter what. I can hit that. <laughs> and, and she keeps well, swinging at it, I- and it's dumb. And then she eventually <laughs> hits it, and it validates the fact that she's that's doing a good wrong. Point. Um, that's so totally bothered. To, that, yeah. that part always bothered me. But My I, take on this is different than both years, I think. I love this. It's, it's that... <laughs> I mean, I, this may be less about what you think is going on in Kit's head, but I think that the movie starts out with Kit being invisible and unseen in the shadow of her sister, mm-hmm. and the whole movie and the ending makes her seen. She finally feels like people are seeing her for who she is, and she's not standing in the shadow of, of her sister anymore. Yeah, I mean, it, they, it's they lift her off the field. Chanting they lift her, her off the field, chanting her name, and then people um, ask for her autograph after. I don't, I, th- I don't think it's as much as validating her. <laughs> her worst qualities i think it's just that that's what she needed to go on probably being a functional human being you need to be able like, to hit that high it was one, it was yeah it was a validation of a person that makes her i finally after the movie hit that after high the one. movie kick can be a functional person that doesn't live in her but i hear what you're saying jamie i never really saw yeah. it that way but i could read it that way now that you've said that it, yeah, it was it was only because for this, you know, I'm trying to do the math of character arc. And yes. Logic. Yeah. Right. We're right. Constructing it. Right. What is it and saying? How do we learn from it? Yeah. I, I don't think this this adheres to the rules that I would typically in a yes. typical, simple cheeseburger. Instead, I it's like, agree. did her sister drop the ball? Did she do? You know, <laughs> and I'm still I still really don't. And, and like what Bob says is a very nuanced, realistic, real life sort of thing. Like. Hey, I accidentally lucked into one and was validated, and I lived happily ever after. Right, right, it taught right. Taught me a lesson. That's not the way movies tend to work. Usually, yes, it's I learned agreed. a lesson, I proved it, and now I live happily ever after. Yeah, the You're cinematic saying, yeah, language Dottie, of it. If yeah. Dottie tried to teach her a lesson and she learned it, that would feel more cinema, like is what you're saying well i don't, As, I don't even yeah. know about teaching but yeah it's it just is one of those things that the thing that we represented as her flaw she continued to do and mm-hmm. and lucked into success That's with true. it and lived happily That's ever true. after i it's, don't disagree it, with what you just said there no it's interesting i i think in real life that is how it works sometimes. You know? <laughs> you know what? You know what? Also, you know, Jamie, it might also. This might be stupid, but I think maybe that weird ending, which it is weird. Like the takeaway I still have from it is that Dottie might That's have thrown it. The ambiguity but of it. Also, yeah. even as a and kid, it's her I knew this in some ways. Yeah, but mm-hmm. even as a kid, mm-hmm. I knew this was based on reality. So something in my mind when I'm watching a movie based on reality is I give leeway to stuff like that. Yeah, like I even agree. though it might not work totally, like maybe I'm like, well, I, it's about real I, life, and real life is messy, you know. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm not saying I'm not this saying at that's all. Good as a, instructive stuff. I'm just saying. You yeah, know. I'm not saying this at all as a criticism. I think it's right, just right, interesting. I, I, I think maybe it it's an interesting weird as a kid i just movie. figured that's what happened <laughs> you know what i mean as a kid i was like oh well these people definitely existed exactly like this and this happened <laughs> yeah i i in, in my in, honestly watching it now like the way i reconciled it was well that's baseball you know it's kind baseball. of thing like sometimes some weird thing happens and, and that is, and that's true yeah. too of the game yeah what's yep. the is yep. the is there a poignant ending if kit if she didn't drop the ball like i'm trying to think of that ending you know if Dottie wins, what's that ending like? You know, I, I don't. 
because Kit's probably better. Best of Kit again. Yeah, it's Kit just yeah. stays exactly the same at that point, yeah. right? Like, yeah, I, she does. She yeah. goes the wrong. I know you way. weren't saying that, Jamie. I know you're not saying that, yeah. but I'm like thinking about that ending. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. It's, it's, like, it's, it's, it feels yeah. bad, so, doesn't it? <laughs> the, the lame, the lame version of this is bases are loaded. It's a tie game. Throw her the high one. She'll swing at it. She doesn't swing. She walks in the run. She that's walks and they score the one you know, run right because that's, yeah, that's 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 the one where you, she learned the lesson. She, she takes got the, over she herself. Takes the pitch. Yeah, she yeah. I'll tell you, you know why this go out good? of it. You know, it's yeah, because yeah. the whole movie convinces us that while God, that would have been great, <laughs> it, the movie convinces us that while Dottie is great at baseball and she does love it, she loves her husband more and she's willing to leave it. So like, there's like this whole sense of like, even though Dottie lost, it's not that big of a deal because she's got Bob. She's got Bob, and it's like she doesn't, you know what I mean. So that it doesn't feel painful that she lost. You know, that's so interesting. I didn't read that like that either. But (laughs) but it's true though, right? Like she she says so many times, like I have my husband. I so when we go into the, I'll save it for the framing device because I actually think the movie is. We should go into that pointing that pointing to what you just said as a bad thing um because the framing device is exploring all that and showing sure. her that ha- yeah anyway we'll save it let's let's talk about the framing device jamie what what when's your out uh it Are is you- <laughs> <laughs> just a- <laughs> 30 minutes from now we have 30 minutes yeah, it's, this is yeah, it's like it's like 245 <laughs> okay no i want the people to hear this we this is how, we make this show on a razor's edge <laughs> yeah it's great it's great so we'll skip to the framing. We do it device. for the, we we'll do it for the people. We do it because I people. definitely want to talk about the villain stuff because I think it's unique to this movie. Um, okay, but definitely. Uh, want, okay, we, where do you want to go? Here? You want to do framing or you want to go to Jimmy? Go to Jimmy first. Go to Jimmy. Go <laughs> it's Jimmy. weird to talk about Jimmy when my name is Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> so Jamie, we've only talked about this a couple times, and I feel like the last time we did, you had a good way to conceptualize this but this is movies a great example of when society is the villain you need to put faces on the societal ill and this is like a movie where society is misogynistic and it's it's the exact same thing as legally blonde oddly which is the episode where we went into every character and showed how they are a face of the societal ill which is based on their gender they're placing limitations on them and they have the the society is like a male dominated misogynistic society that's that's disrespecting them and a male dominated sport in a male dominated yes it's a double 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 whammy yeah so like if you're out there and you have a go ahead jamie uh, no, I was just going to say, we didn't add this to the talking points, and I'm not going to go into it because it would cause me to define it, but I'm going to say it anyway. In, 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 I'm going to say it without explaining it. So this will be an Easter egg for those people who listen to all the podcasts. In Saving Cat genre terms, um, I guess this movie is a golden fleece, which is yeah, it often is. sports movies, say. road trips. But this usually comes up and institutionalized. And I could almost argue that this movie is an institutionalized movie. It's kind of, it's kind of a weird thing. Institutionalized is a person um, who uh, it's almost like society is, and it, you could view the team as being this, like it's getting pushback from the institution, from the man. 
Yes. It's common. Yep, yep. In 100%, those, dude. No, it's great. It's, yep. it, and, and they have to triumph over that. Not the yes. not winning the World Series, but they're trying. That's why they're I'm like. They're winning oh. over the, 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 the institution. Yes, 100%. It's the most, they went over the fans the most, and the Harvey Bar guy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's the most common place where you have to do this putting a face on it. So like one flew over the cuckoo's nest needs Nurse Ratchet to represent Ratchet. The, the system. Um, it's the so warden anyway. in Shawshank. Yes, exactly. exactly. Yes, very good. Exactly. Yeah. So there, there's part of me that feels like I, I'll have to think, do a deep think on that. Uh, but for it'll be for when we revisit all these podcasts ten years from now, and we're like, <laughs> we, we, re, we revisit or rewind. <laughs> anyway, keep going. Keep going. No, but so so um, you've got a movie that's about uh, you know a a group of women who are trying to gain the respect of misogynistic men how do you you have to create a character who is the embodiment of that you know toxicity and and misogyny and and he is like such a great jimmy dugan's character for me is such a great example of how to create a villain this way because he's funny he's not funny because he's a funny guy he's funny because he's a misogynistic asshole and the movie like mocks everything about that right like he's kind of a failure i mean he's like he was a form he's like a has-been he's the ultimate definition of a has-been but But he has heart still he has heart still yeah yeah but he's he's, he's a man who succeeded in a man's world too yes yes and yes and even if he was despite you know how how gross he was he was still like a success as far as the male society looks at it right um but it's a great feels inadequate Yes, and he feel exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's a great moment. And but you know, we don't it, have that on the talking points where he's like, "How did I get so useless so quickly?" It's a really important um, line yes. that I notice more now as an adult yes. watching this movie than I didn't as a kid. That self deprecation is like that's he, on that rooting resume. No, it's a little moment. Like I kind of even watching it now, I was like, Jimmy wishes he was healthy enough to kind of be able to fight. He like, wants to be in the battle. Like he feels, yeah, yeah he, it actually yeah. weighs on him. Yeah, yeah, that's why he drinks almost. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can feel that, right? Yeah. But um, the uh, so I just think this is a great example. If you have a story that you're out there, you know, you're trying to brainwash, yeah, brainwash, brainstorm. <laughs> you're trying to brainwash society. That's what screenwriting story. is, isn't it? Brainwashing <laughs> the audience to think you know what you're talking about. I know something you don't. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, no, if you're brainstorming and you have a story where, you know, ultimately society is the villain, this is a great movie to learn from because what, like, the movie sort of, helps us feel even though we do get the many faces like Lowenstein is another great example like Lowenstein at the start he's the guy who's going he's the guy you know who's running the league he's the guy who's going like if you can't play wearing a skirt there's 38 women on the bus who will wear a swimsuit if I ask them to you know so he's misogynistic he's he's fitting that you know he's a face of that but the women change him and he gains their respect and he starts to see them as people like he humanizes them because they're all dehumanized when it starts. They're just quote unquote girls in skirts. Um, but uh, but the way that the movie gives us all these growing pains for Jimmy Dugan's character showing him change, it helps us understand that the world is changing and he puts a face on that societal ill. And through Jimmy's eyes, we can feel that the society as a whole is changing 
as much as he is. So it's just a great example of that. And and he again, like just something that just putting more people in the stands can't totally accomplish. Right. From you know? from a from a storytelling standpoint. Yeah, right. Yes. From a storytelling point. Yes. It's like this this the crowd is like a cherry on top of what of what Jimmy, we're experiencing with Jimmy, right? Through Jimmy, yeah. So anyway, yeah. it was just it stood out to me. It was like, wow, this is a great this is Nurse Ratchet, but it's funny. You know, like he functions just like her. Nurse yeah. Ratchet is hilarious. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get to that episode someday. Oh hell, that's on my list. That's I know, man. List. I'm yeah. pumped about it. <laughs> um, but anyway, so so and 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 I just it made me think of Jamie and and I always feel like I miss sometimes I mislabel this term. So correct me if I'm wrong, but this made me feel like the team itself was functioning story wise like the arc of awesome. Um, because like after, after I was like, oh shit, like he's putting a face on the misogyny and the societal ill. That means that like the team itself is an arc of awesome. They're, they're like one big character who's changing the world for the power. That can be defined through the the radio program that talks about the danger to femininity and if right. women can, or what are the, what are men going to be coming back to right. with these women when they come home from war that like stuff. sets up shows you like a woman is saying that right you right know, that's how right. that's, how, that's, that, right, that's yeah. how that's how broken the world's compass is moral compass is at this point in in history so anyway yeah, yeah. No, are they still pretty like relevant awesome, still pretty yes <laughs> still pretty like 50 percent of this country oh. no i i think that i think it is like an arc of awesome in some ways and, and Dottie, it's it's funny because all the characters like i said they all have their mini arcs and i think they're all related to you know the discrimination of women at mm-hmm. that time in a little way you know whether mm-hmm. it's whether it's somebody that couldn't get married and they do get married or something like that yeah whether it's Dottie putting her dreams on hold for her husband or something mm-hmm. um i'm not sure exactly how kits relate because it's sisterhood kind of stuff but i'm sure it does i'm sure well i, I think they set mind. up that like she's not viewed to be they call you know uh john lovitz calls gina davis a dolly quote unquote right like, right, right. and yeah, dehumanizes the, kit right. And by the end, Kit has made a name for herself through her efforts, her her talent, and her performance. You know, her looks are irrelevant. The the misogynist society recognizes Dottie's merits more than Kit. Right, right. Just because of her looks, yes. Whereas by the end, Kit doesn't matter. Her looks are irrelevant to the the cheering that happens in the end for her. It's her. Mm -hmm. It's her merit. It's her. It's her performance. Yeah. And then and then Jimmy's arc with he respects them more and their skills and everything and and who they are as people. Um, so all the all of them have these little mini arcs based on what I think what you're saying the team arc, which is kind of the arc of awesome. Yes, that, that's part of it. So I so I got that right. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think so. so. Yeah, no. That's... Okay, yeah, I was. They I do was change like, the world. They, they change. They the world did around change them. the world. Yeah. So yeah, arc arc of awesome, you know, or or flat arc is usually just a character that doesn't really arc but they change the world around them. So they're trying to do something and the world is trying to beat them down and say, you can't do this. You can't do this. But at the end, the world slowly starts to change around them yeah. and, uh, yeah. super and have a different point of view. Yep. Yeah. Legally blonde. We know we said, you know, um, right. that's coming right. up again, but legally blonde is an arc of awesome. Forrest Gump is an arc of awesome, you know? Yeah. Another Tom Hanks. Um. <laughs> yep. <laughs> We could do all Tom Hanks movies for a year. Yeah. <laughs> so many. 
Splash. Yeah. We just talked about. Yeah, we yeah. just talked about Splash. Right. <laughs> um, did you guys want to do Old Way, New Way? Yeah, I'll just I'll breeze like through it. On a little Jamie, bit, but... Jamie mentioned both of my examples that I was going to use, so I'll just I'll breeze through them as as a refresher to something Jamie okay. was mentioning earlier, which is so so like one simple technique to help the audience like track that before and after snapshot of your character where they are when we meet them where they are by the end of the story to help us you know track those big moments of growth and in between the growing pains if you're doing it if you're doing a good job of it um is to literally face them with the same scenario and the same choice twice which is you you know and and in the old way they're they're going the wrong way if it's a if it's an arc plot positive story in the if it's a tragedy they might be going the right way with the first time and then they go the wrong way the the new the second time but you face your character with the same scenario and then you have them make the opposite choice to prove to the audience how they've grown and changed over the course of the story so this this movie has a it has and the last time if anybody's interested in hearing this the last time we talked about this was everything everywhere all at once which had seven examples of old <laughs> right. way new way with throughout its ensemble. So um so this one has two really simple ones that are really easy to learn from if you want to try this technique and play with this technique yourself, which first is the Jimmy one, right? Like, like Jamie said, the, there's no crying in baseball scene. Jimmy's old way. He, you know, he chews her out. He chews out Evelyn. He has no, uh, he, he has no empathy for her feelings and he, he, he just, he's, so mean to her and disrespectful and she starts crying you know as a result because he's so horrible to her right this the second time in that world series it's the exact same scenario she missed the quote quote unquote cutoff man um baseball term but she missed the cutoff man just like she did that first time and he's it's my favorite moment in the movie. He's like trying through all his, you know, he wants to yell at her so bad, but he's grown. And so he says, you're still missing the cutoff, man. And that's something I'd like you to work on for next season. So here we have the same exact scenario and we see the character's new way that's proving to us very easily to measure that he's grown and changed. So that's like a really pure, easy to, easy to learn from one. That, that on paper, that is exactly the before and after. Yeah. For me, like emotionally, though, the no crying in baseball is married with him literally holding Betty spaghetti after yeah. she just found out she's crying because her husband had died. Yeah. Like he's literally embracing a woman crying that's, in a baseball uniform yes. in the, in the locker room. Yeah. Like, that's a good that's, point. That's, that's, so he's that's, earned that growth before this moment. Right. But, the, right. but this is the nice, easy to, that's the easy one. That's the easy one. I just had to say it. Though. No, you're right. He does embrace a crying woman in a yeah. baseball uniform, in a baseball gives locker us the room. Reversal of that yeah. in a way that's powerful. An extreme yes. reversal. Yeah. Shows his empathy. Right. And his right. respect. Um, yeah. uh, for me, it all comes down to like the D he's like at the start, he doesn't see them as people. And by the end, like, what is the line? I, I didn't, I was going to say it as the societal ill, perfect. His line is the societal ill perfectly encapsulated, which is what he says. Uh, he says, I don't have ball players. I've got girls. Girls are what you sleep with after the game. 
yeah. not what you coach during the game. That's everything. That's the societal right. ill, right? And by the end, he's learned their names. He knows about their husbands and their lives. And again, he's consoling her, you know, genuinely about the loss of her husband. So it's just, yeah, they prove that growth there, Bob. But the but the second I was like example, when he says, "I'm a big fan of yours," to her husband, to Bob, because he yeah. respects her so much. Like, it's I funny, like, we got characters funny. named Bob and Jimmy I, and, and Jimmy. Is, <laughs> is there a Jamie in there? There's yeah, no Jamie, but um, no. all the way Jamie. That's why Jamie all has the- <laughs> all the way. Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's, why, that's why Jamie's not sold on that ending because they don't have his name. That's in there. right. <laughs> What's going on? Um, the second one was that high ones, Jamie. We meet. It's the old way, new way for Kit. We meet when we meet them. Like Dottie is telling Kit, "Lay off the high ones," you know, and and she's she's you, you can't hit them. And Kit's like, "No, I, I I'll do what I want to do." And she swings and misses all three at all three very quickly. And then the second time, like Dottie's like, "This is how we get her." Give her the high ones. She can't lay off them. She can't hit them. And then Kit does hit it. And then it's they also do this nice little touch, which is right after the the old way, Dottie comes up, hits a home run, and gets carried off the field with everybody chanting, Dottie, Dottie. And then after Kit hits the inside the park home run, everybody carries her off the field. Right. Kit, 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 Kit. So that's a really easy to measure before and after snapshot old way new way so it's a, it's a technique that i think is really easy to learn really easy to execute and it's if you've done the work and given us those little growing pains in between that old way and new way i think it's a really easy way to achieve the arc in a way that's like we believe right yeah so yeah um we talked about this earlier in the episode a little bit but the framing device which is pretty interesting. And it, actually, that article that you sent us, Jimmy, talked about it a little bit. Yeah, I wanted to ask you guys. Like, for me, I personally love this framing device. And it does stuff that I don't normally think writers should do, which is it. it's a bookend. I, I'm not a fan of bookending uh uh framing devices with nothing in between, especially in a movie that's over two hours long you know but i think it really works and i wanted to ask you guys like how you felt about the framing device and especially considering how many movies we've talked about with framing devices so just to get the history of it out there in that article they say originally it was just the ending it like faded away into her just being there at the at the reunion yeah and people found it apparently jarring they were like why are we here Oh, we don't. So understand. they tested it. Okay. They tested it. Why? Why are we here? Why are we yeah. doing that? I was gonna say yeah. you sent me the article. <laughs> so they, they they tested it, and people found it to be like is like why? What's going on? I don't understand. Yeah. And I, so they they shot the first part to give the second part yeah context right so, yeah. so so it was like you almost and I, I sort of get it. It's more like an expectation. I could see if I had watched that movie and then saw the end, I'd be like. Oh no, it's Lord of the Rings. They don't know how to end this. Yeah, thing. End this you know, thing, right. oh, they want to take us to this because it's kind of long what they do in the end. It's not short. The the two combined are over 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 pretty long. I I'm fine with the opening for that reason. My only issue with it is I in in retrospect, I feel like like why does she still have these issues? Like it doesn't totally compute to me, like why she's so 
I don't even think I should go. Yo, you know, why would she, she want to skip this? Like, I no, yeah, but I, okay. I actually considered like so. So when I was because I I was like watching it just from a deconstruction. I never mm-hmm. felt this way when I was younger, and it was beloved to me. But now I'm understanding. I think at least the the purpose of that they made it do more than just not confuse the audience. I think Dottie actually is still dealing with the same issues, internal conflict in the first part of the epilogue and we are watching her as she returns to the hall of fame when she starts we're watching her reflect on her experience and then by the end of reflecting what we've just experienced we're sort of experiencing it with her right she's reliving it but we're seeing it for the first time she gains self-respect that she didn't have before she she re, has a reunion at that Hall of Fame. So even all these years later, she's a mother. She, I mean, she literally says, like, like, this didn't matter, right? It wasn't important. And then we cut to years before and we see the whole story. And it's almost like we're seeing her understand finally that because her, her daughter's like, when are you going to realize this was something special? I feel like that's very intentional, like from a writing See, standpoint. My, Go ahead, Jamie. My, my, my issue with that is the reason I don't buy into that quite and why I think it's just kind of redundant a little bit gotcha. is because she does show up to the World Series. And that's a big she moment. Does. Like she, that, she, comes she back. shows up yeah. to that. So she realizes there, this is important. She had I have that. to be here. And her husband's even there. So he gets it. I just yeah. don't buy that she's can, like can still I, in this like good call. I don't know. Jamie, that, that's where I'm. Jamie, at let me add yeah. something to to explain the the hesitancy. Maybe okay. is I think it has more. Like Jamie, what you said, I I dig, but I think it's more because of her sister. I think there's a hesitant. We don't know that their history and what happened in in the interim in years. Between. I think yeah. that there has been bad blood between them that's all these decades, and they don't say it in dialogue in the beginning mm-hmm. but i think her hesitancy is She's facing gonna... facing kit essentially yes. and them having and i to... wish there was a little bit more yeah yeah listen that's to that good. but facing kit in the hall of fame where their pictures are all up yeah and having to deal with it in that way between the two of them because the whole movie is about the two of yeah. them yeah yeah so why shouldn't these I... this framing device well be? yeah so well well i again the only issue i have with that is the sister even break well aunt kit's gonna be there and she doesn't like i know that's one thing where I was like, all you need i'm like no they might her daughter is other. actually using a selling point that aunt kit's gonna be there you yeah. know you wouldn't say if you hated or never right. spoke to you wouldn't be like guess well, who's jamie, gonna be jamie. there guess who's gonna be <laughs> jamie they could have seen <laughs> each other they could have seen each other many years can you imagine interim. like that family member that drives you crazy I was, yeah. yeah but that's the thing is they could have been seeing each other in those decades but they kind of never yeah yeah never bad, they never addressed drug. this yeah as I, a thing and they finally think, yeah yeah it's healing think, it's just not I, set on screen i think if you were gonna set that up the way to yeah. do it and honestly that's probably like when i was watching i was like what would i do in this scenario how would i say <laughs> it's probably like it's probably like i'm sure aunt you know aunt kid will be happy to see you you know and it's like i wouldn't be sure about that you know i'd be i planted just that little bit would have been great yeah just, just a little bit like um you know that's what that's what i'm worried about or whatever um because the other thing i think they could have done with this prologue and i i'm fine with the prologue because i i actually think they were right in the, the end, it felt really weird yes. to me. Yes. Um, there's another prologue like this that I don't like, which is Saving Private Ryan. I'm not a fan of that prologue, even though there's something 
weird in execution yeah. about the saving private well, it's Ryan. Well, because it's a prologue. flashback that he wasn't there for. Like most, yeah, of yeah, it's it's a weird, it's weird. It's, about it's that. weird. Yeah. It looks, it looks weird. There's just weird. The actors, yeah. I don't quite. It's just anyway. That's another movie. We'll do that one day. I love that. I love movie. that. I, I love that, that framing end. device. So I'll disagree with yeah. you when we do it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that. And this one reminds me of that. It reminds yeah. me of that one in some ways. This one's a little bit more epic in some ways because it's longer. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. But. Um, but uh, what I would have probably done with this was planted this weird mystery. And I guess that's what it does. Like, why is she, why doesn't she love this thing? Like, why Yeah, I think she it does it? plant the mystery. And then we yeah. reflect on it with her and we realize like she's, and she realizes as we realize like, no, I didn't have something to be. And that. Uh, that, like I that, should, that's, re- I should respect myself for this. So, you know? so watching, yeah. I'm almost waiting for the horrible thing to happen. You know, like, mm-hmm. like I'm, I, and like, like, what is that horrible thing that happened at the end of the World Series that now needs to be repaired? And I guess Jamie, what get it, that? What it felt like to yeah. me while I was watching it is like Fableman's, where they were telling like his whole internal struggle was I can't be following my passion and mm-hmm. have a family. Mm-hmm. And that was yeah. the whole back and forth. And that's exactly what Dottie is battling, which is the patriarchal view of her is that she as she's bought, she's battling the patriarchal programming, right? Like you cannot be a baseball player and a mother and, and a wife, right? Like that's, and I think the movie, like the reflection of the past that we see her watch is showing her like, no, like this was special and you doing both was important. And, uh, and I don't know that I, I absorbed that from it and I didn't go into it expecting to feel that way. So I think, I think the movie trusts us, a, puts a lot of trust. In it the does. To it, come and up it's with unconventional. Look at, how, look at how we talked about the ending of the, the, the ball, the ball. Well, and yeah, there's, ambiguity. I think there, yeah. I think, yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of ambiguity sprinkled throughout this movie. And I like that. I, I, yeah, I, I think that's unconventional. Like that. It's not a cheeseburger in that way. Yeah. Again, again, real life is like that opening framing yep. device like there are people maybe yep. that are kind of secretly proud but won't admit to it and don't want to be yeah. fussed over and don't really want to leave their house because they're we've all been too to much film festivals right <laughs> Absolutely. Had, i've Absolutely. all been to film festivals where we had to get up in front of people after our film showed right <laughs> yeah that's exactly yeah. So, that feeling right yes. so that's I'm, why i'm not you're, celebrate me don't you're celebrate triggering, me. you're triggering triggering the shit out of me right when, now. When <laughs> sorry sorry <laughs> So when I watch it, I definitely don't feel the things I'm saying. It's more just in retrospect of trying to connect it all and make the math yeah. work. I'll give again. you this, Jamie. As weird as you think yeah. the actors are in Saving Private Ryan, to this day, I'd love to hear this actress's original voice because dubbing Gina Davis's it's so voice weird. over it, it's so odd that they did that. Yeah. Was her voice that atrocious? Like, <laughs> what did this, Maybe this woman look amazing? Maybe her so dramatically like, different. She looks Gina. perfect. Yeah, yeah, she looks But, like, was her voice that yeah. atrocious? Like, I, I really want to know. <laughs> no, but I, so, because I want to, we're pressed for time, so I want to keep, uh, just say yeah, keep some going, of the stuff. Going. So, so, you know, what, what I liked about this framing device was that it subverted what I said in a previous episode where we talked about framing device of like the kind of things you should do, which is the bookend works. Like it's only twice. And I think it works. Um, but it does a lot of the things that I think are important to a good framing device, which is it's cohesive. It, I think it enhances the rest of the story 
because of what we see happens with the Hall of Fame stuff after, it's uh, where 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 it is different is it's not consistent. That's why I thought it was cool and interesting because I think it works well. Um, it tells its own complete story and it's thematic. Like I think that's what is most important. We see that ultimately it took. They even like make a point to say it. It took decades, but even the baseball history itself recognized how important they were and put them as the first women inducted into the Cooperstown major league hall of fame. You know, that's showing that the that's world the arc of awesome. That's the, the arc world. of awesome. The world <laughs> did in fact change. It took decades, but they had the power to, to show that world, the error of their ways and change the world. So ultimately yeah. I think that's the best part about the framing device. Yeah. And I, I, I think you're, that's what I like about the, the end part of it and again i think the beginning needs to be there it does connect to the real life stuff and that yeah. this was important and much in a way i think saving private ryan was doing the same thing in yeah. its own way um but yeah and it's important that we know that it's it, you know the other interesting thing about this framing device is it's a completely different tone than the rest of the movie and some yes. ways it's like it's almost like a different somber. movie it looks different well, yeah. it's a yeah, sour, it's you know Jimmy yeah, it shows yeah. the the death of people talks you know uh yeah. Jimmy's dead and still is there and you know his mom's dead Ev yeah that's Evelyn yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's a little yeah. different yeah it's it's kind of the equivalent of what I you know some movies you want to see like that little scroll in the end of where they all went and stuff yes. like that like this person went to this and I would have this loved is, to seen about the players yeah this, is this was kind of the so. visualization of that because these people weren't real, but there were real people. They were inspired so they, by real people. It, yeah. it was kind of a way to make make it work that way without working that way. Because if, if they had said Dottie went on to be such and such, you would have been like, "That's eh. cheesy." Dottie didn't. Yeah, you know? <laughs> Dottie's not real, all the way. Yeah. May got married. You know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Not... Yeah, it would have been like, "Yeah, I'm not buying that." But so <laughs> this was true. a way to because it when they were in the thing, like like my wife was watching it with me, and she was like. I bet all, these are all the real people. And I'm like, no, they're all fake. You know, but it had that feeling like it was the real people because they look like real people. You know what I mean? They yeah, didn't look I bet like the players stars. were, though, during the credits were all the real people because the, during yeah. the real during I think the they credits. Were. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. cool. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. No, I think I think that the ending also just reminds you about the reality of it. Mm -hmm. You know it's what I mean? Nice... If it ended, if it ended on just the inner story with no framing device, yeah, it would feel less like a historical piece. I agree. Yeah, you know, yeah, it does a great job of reminding us. Yes. Yeah, right, right. Yes, yes. I don't think we need to talk about the the last thing that was on there. I think we're I, good. I mean, I if you want to, I mean, it, it, I'm just curious as to what. It oh, is. okay. So, yeah, I don't actually know what that means. So, so. it's so there's I, one yeah. about, big change. You could do it in two minutes. Okay. <laughs> so the Rolling Stone article for anyone out there, there's a great article interview with the two screenwriters celebrating the 30th anniversary of Rolling Stone. So obviously it's an old article, but, uh, and they talked about how there is here. They actually, I have a quote back and forth with them. So originally, and they wrote it and shot it. Uh, Tom Hanks and Gina Davis's characters, Dottie and Jimmy, were supposed to have a romantic oh, storyline. Yep, right. yep. And right, they said there was going to be a rope. This is this is Gantz says there was going to be a romance between Jimmy and Dottie. We kicked that to the curb. And Mandel says we shot the romance stuff, but it just tainted the movie. It was predictable. We wanted to take the high road. Gantz says it felt like, well, we have Tom Hanks and we have Gina Davis. 
we need to do something with that. But it was obligatory. And as Babalu said, it was a waste of time. And then Mandel says, her husband is overseas fighting a war. No, we can't do it. The thought of it being in the movie makes me want to start drinking. Like, that would have <laughs> undercut all that's a that really respect good interview part that we, response, by the way. Yeah, it's, God, it's a, it's a fantastic interview. interview. <laughs> but um, you can tell they've been a great partnership. But it's it to me, it speaks to the power of rewriting, right? They were still, we talk about this as the, we're talking about the final edit of the movie is the script, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. like, there you go. Like, if that was in the movie, that undercuts all the thematic. He wouldn't be respecting her for her for her like her merit and her efforts and her talent he, he just wanted to be with her he just yeah, want to not... sleep with her yeah yeah it would have been so oh my god yeah. i'm so glad that that's not in there but th it shows you the power of read writing right even they even shot the damn thing and they realized that it didn't work so there's for, always power in taking a hard look at some of your stuff and trimming it down yeah for what for what it's worth i think when my wife and i were watching my wife said there's do they kiss here or something? And I and I couldn't really remember. I've only seen this movie like twice or something. And it's been a while. And I couldn't really remember, but I was like, I don't think so. That would kind of undercut like his <laughs> and I said basically what what they said. I was like, I was like, the husband's away at war and it just this is like a feel-good movie, and you're supposed to like these people. I was like, I don't think so. Yeah, but there was a feeling like I get why it was there because you get these two movie stars, and you know, yep. and it just that's how movies they, tend they to go. have chemistry you yeah they you kind of yeah. you kind of want them and then i was like trying to remember like i was like does bull does bill pullman show up and he's a real dick or something <laughs> no and I, he was I great remember. supportive no, and awesome yeah, yeah. And I, I i was like i was like i don't think that's the way this movie goes that would just be really weird um, so, so it was just funny. another example of like many times in the show we found out that big changes were made after they filmed it and it really impacted the movie in a positive way. And that like your, your favorite movie didn't start that way and keep rewriting. <laughs> and like you said, that is why we do this show the way we do it with the yes. final edit. We talk about that script. Thing. Yeah, yes. no, it, it, like a lot of, we've had people ask us why we don't do it from the script because number one, there's several scripts and number of two each movie yeah yeah we want to talk about the best possible version and that's the one that is in this case a classic that has been beloved for decades yeah. so that's well, why we do it the way we do i had a blast um, doing this episode i feel yeah. like i learned a lot from you guys yeah no this is great um uh jamie you already did your plugs at the at the open jimmy do you have anything you want to plug no plugs i'm good um i'm just gonna plug and say if you want to support the show keep it ad free there's uh you can help me on patreon and that's all i got you know <laughs> uh, patreon.com slash bob rose sucks and if not uh leave you can leave apple uh podcast uh, reviews for us or just share the show yeah thank you just share the show like that's the simplest thing you can do if you want to support us other than that that's it Until that's next their, our time. framing device you know <laughs> our, our goodbye yeah <laughs> All right, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, this is Bob Rose, and thank you for listening to Writer's Blockbusters. If you'd like to financially support the show, please consider joining my Patreon. I've been producing the podcast for several years completely out of pocket, and I'd like to keep producing it ad-free and no longer at a loss. If you'd like to help, head on over to patreon.com slash 
Bob Rose Sucks. That's right. Bob Rose Sucks. And if you want the one and only Jimmy George to help polish up that writing project you're kind of struggling with, head on over to scriptbutcher.com. As a listener, you already know he's the best there is. Scriptbutcher.com. You can also support the show by simply sharing it or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate both. Thank you for listening and see you next episode. 